Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. What does it mean to be politically homeless and why do so many Americans feel like this? The tribal political mentality that America is currently engulfed in is destructive, pointless, and leaves the experiences of many of us completely out of the conversation. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. perusing Instagram and I came across my buddy Amir Odom. You should follow him on on, uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. He's a great guy. But I came across a story that he put on his feed. I thought it was very interesting. This is Joe Rogan on his podcast. Of course, everybody knows who Joe Rogan is. Probably one of the most successful podcasters of all time. This is somebody who has been called a leftist by the right and a white supremacist by the left. So he's probably, you know, somewhere in the middle like most of us are. But he kind of came up with this concept of being politically homeless that I thought was interesting enough to really talk about. So I want you to listen to what he had to say about his experience. I'm politically homeless. Mm -hmm. So I'm in this weird both way world. Do you think that there's a lot of people right now that feel like they're politically homeless? Yes. I think there's more people in the center than there are even on both sides now. That a lot of people did not feel like they belong on one side or the other. But they're in communities where you have to support one side or the other or you don't feel like you have a tribe and everybody wants to be a part of a tribe and it takes real courage to stand out away from your tribe and say I don't agree with that Mm -hmm. I agree with this because then people will attack you like I think that partisanship and tribal shit that we're experiencing right now is one of the worst aspects of this country and so you know I I think he's absolutely right and I really wanted to break this down I really want to talk a a little bit about sort of my experience and, and my political evolution You know, if you've been following me or listening to this podcast, you know what my political my political evolution is. And before I get into all that, I really do think that there are many people out there who feel politically homeless. I I hear from them all the time. You guys are uh, my problematics on my Facebook. You guys come to the Instagram. You guys, you know, email me, send me messages and all of this stuff. What has been happening, honestly, with me and my following in the conversations that we as the problematics have is that there have been a lot more liberal and left-leaning people that have started coming to me um, right after Biden got elected and, and now this new administration because we had spent so much time and I had spent so much time during the Trump administration literally just defending him from lies, okay? and And I maintain the fact that the media would not have suffered from such diminished credibility Had they just covered him fairly, had they just covered Trump fairly, I I think that there will be a lot more trust in the media than there is right now. Instead, they outright lied. And a lot of my time as a political commentator over the Trump administration was spent literally just telling people the truth, just literally deflecting from outright lies because this is what they do. They lie. I think that there are a lot of people out there who, who feel politically homeless because If you're on Team D, Team Democrat, you literally cannot say that a Republican did something right. You were supposed to, for example, during the Trump years, you were supposed to pretend as if your life was bad when we had a booming economy. People, there was just like there's money falling out of the skies, right? But you were supposed to pretend that that you were just some victim of of mean old Trump. Um, and, And then when the situation is flipped... 
If you're a Republican under Biden, you were supposed to pretend that he is the worst thing in the world. And, and now, mind you, he is bad. He is awful. And, and I've talked about at length from a policy level how many failures there have been during the Biden administration. So when I came out in, in 2018 as conservative, I was just completely done with liberals. That is why I came out as conservative, because I had seen so many outright lies being told about Donald Trump and being told about that administration. And the part of me that really just does not like being lied to said um, that this is ridiculous and, and I don't like being lied to. I, I feel like it's disrespectful. I feel like it's disrespectful of my intelligence. So I was done with liberals, and, and there are just so many things about liberalism as it is in, in 2021 that just simply don't make sense. First of all, men cannot get pregnant. That is just not a thing that happens. So that is a thing that doesn't make sense. And there is this idea among the left that everybody's a victim, no matter how wealthy, no matter how privileged, no matter how powerful you are, they're all victims. And we'll get into that um, later on in this episode. So there are so many things about liberals that uh, that just don't make any sense. And when you listen to what Joe Rogan was saying about politically homeless, he talks about his background. And he talks about um, being a kid on welfare um, and that he agrees with some of that stuff. He agrees with the social safety net. He agrees with the welfare system in, in certain capacities. And I can connect with that. I was not born and raised on welfare. I was never on welfare. But I do believe that there should be some sort of social safety net. I get that. And even as a conservative, I agree with that. It's just the problem is, is that the the democratic policies around them and the way that liberals enact these policies and the way that they speak of them just don't work. It doesn't make any sense because it is not enough for liberals and it is not enough for people on the left to say that there should be a social safety net. Um, they have to say that there should be a social safety net in perpetuity and that we should always have people on welfare no matter what, because if you know about liberalism and you know about the Democratic Party, you know that their intention before it comes to helping people, before it comes to anything like that, their intention is to completely grow government and their intention is to make sure that these programs never end and their intention is to make people completely dependent on these programs, right? I definitely agree with Joe Rogan in this way and what he says. But at the same time, and I've talked to you about how these liberal policies just don't work in in reality. They work very good in theory. They make people feel good. Um, and they make people feel really wonderful for saying. Um, and, and they make them feel very superior for saying, but they just don't work well in reality, Right. And so that's where I am with that. And the reason that I could agree with Joe Rogan so much is that I am at times uncomfortable with the fact that having the platform that I have as a prominent conservative, prominent Republican, whatever you want to call it, means that you are supposed to toe the party line at all times and always agree with every single thing that Republicans say or do, because I do not. I do not agree with every single thing that Republicans say and and do. And I don't think that I should. And I don't think that um, any Republican that's not in elected office should be you know, forced to apologize for or defend things that they really simply just don't agree with or things that they actually know are wrong. 
And I think that for me as as a Republican, as a conservative, I think that that is what really makes us different from those on the left because they defend the indefensible constantly all the time because their ideology trumps common sense, right? In this year, I've kind of been poking the bear out with with pointing out a a lot of different things that have made me a little bit unpopular. It's cost me tens of thousands of followers, I would say, since the beginning of this year. First of all, um, the idea that Trump was not some almighty God that did everything right. You know, he was not um, he he was neither God uh, nor Hitler. You know, he was a a flawed man who had a lot of really good policy um, and probably could have used a better bed side manner. You know, in fact, he, he messed up a lot. I should be able to say that as a Republican and, and certainly, you know, as somebody that is, you know, not in elected office and not running for elected office anytime soon, you should always be able to call a spade a spade. And the problem with the tribalism that is infecting a lot of our politics right now, and this is what Rogan speaks to when he talks of, of the politically homeless, is that people don't want to cede an inch. They do not want to stand up and say, this is wrong or my side is wrong or what is happening right now is wrong or this policy is wrong. And I think that that is one of the things that we're dealing with right now. Now, when I pointed out what a massive, massive mistake January 6th was, um, I lost tens of thousands of followers. And I remember after January 6th happened and I did a podcast and it's still there. I'll never take it down where I just talked about what a massive fail January 6th was for for a lot of different reasons. I talked about the fact that it was a trap. Um, It was a trap that was set for a very easily baited Trump and that it just was a poor reflection of the vast majority of people that went to Washington, D.C. But I was seen as a traitor. And I remember a lot of the comments that you get when you do this on social media and, you know, you've got the followers on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. You'll get a lot of comments from people. And the idea was this. The idea was that they felt betrayed by me having an opinion that Whether they agreed with it or not seemed to be irrelevant. It seemed to be that the consensus and what the tribe is saying is that January 6th wasn't that bad. And for me to point that out as somebody that is a conservative and somebody that did, you know, cast my vote for Donald Trump is somehow being a traitor to um, the, the Republican Party or the conservative movement or anything like that. And into that, I say that if you don't have your integrity, you really don't have anything. And and I think that if you don't have an unpopular opinion every once in a while, then I don't know if any opinion you have really matters. And this political tribalism that we're in right now, and this is what Joe Rogan speaks to when he speaks of the politically homeless, is people not wanting to take that risk and people not really wanting to challenge the people in their tribe or or challenge any perceived notions about what is right or what is wrong or what is happening. And there was a lot of of stuff like that 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 happens, you know. And at the same time, like I said, I know how destructive liberal policies are. I know how liberals in the left were using January 6th to completely demonize Trump supporters and conservatives. And that stuff went through not only just, you know, calling them insurrectionists and everything like that throughout the media, but also, as we saw, the fact that 
the attempt to purge these Trump supporters from all public life and to sort of mark them, if you will, that we saw how that went up to all levels of, of military national security, how that went up to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, when it went up to Mark Milley, um, it went up to to uh, the Secretary of Defense, it went up to all these people. So we saw that. And I had to point that out as well, because I know how destructive leftism is, and I know how destructive these liberal policies are. And let me be clear, there will be no instance where I ever vote for Democrats again. I just do not ever see that happening again in my life. Because when you are red-pilled, when you take that red pill and you realize how destructive these policies are and when you realize how destructive the ideology is, you realize that it's not something that you can ever support again. And I will never be anything less than than hypercritical of the left. But I have to keep that same energy for Republicans because just being a, a cheerleader for all things Republican doesn't work for me either. If... It did work for me. I would probably have many more followers. I would probably be making more money. I would probably be closer to to some of these levers of power. I made a very conscious decision at the beginning of this year when the, the Biden transition happened. I made a conscious decision to just speak truth. And when you do speak truth, 2021, in this day and age, when you speak truth, there is the threat of you being politically homeless. There's the threat of you losing things. There's a threat of you losing opportunities. There's there's a threat of, of you losing friends. There is a threat of all of this stuff. But what you get when you speak the truth as somebody that is problematic, politically homeless, whatever you want to call it, is that you still have your integrity. And I think that is important. And I think that a lot of people that feel like they're politically homeless are that because they have their integrity. And that is what Joe Rogan is getting at. I will probably always be a Republican. I, like I said, there's no way that I will ever go back to liberalism or leftism because it is destructive and it does not work. But I will continue to be problematic and continue to be politically homeless because you have to speak truth and speak right and wrong no matter what side you're speaking it about. So Here's to the problematic and politically homeless. I think that we can all relate to what Joe Rogan is talking about. Coming up, a New York Times column does the unthinkable, criticizes that super spreader birthday party Barack Obama had in the Hamptons a few weeks back, but then gets attacked by the left. I will fill you in on all this after the break. So there is a delightfully bitchy New York Times column that just took down Barack Obama for that big super spreader birthday party he had on uh, Martha's Vineyard uh, a few weeks back. It is called Behold Barack Antoinette by the legendary and iconic Marine Dowd. Um, and I, I want to read you a little bit of this because it is probably one of the most scathing and funny takedowns of sort of this new leftist elite that I've read. And she writes, Barack Obama gave a big, lavish new money party at his sprawling mansion on the water because he wanted to seem cool. Being cool is important to him. We already knew Obama gra gravitated to stars, but it was disillusioning to see it on such a grand scale. And so what she's doing right now is she is being critical of 
the elitism of the Democrat Party and being critical of it from one of the most uh, elitist institutions that exists, which is the New York Times. And this is uh, this is more of what she wrote. It was as far from Flint and Scranton as you can imagine. An orgy of the one percent, private jets, Martha's Vineyard, limousine liberals, and hollow Hollywood whoring, complete with a meat-free menu. And of course, that is absolutely right. She's absolutely correct. Uh, the you know the the super spreader birthday party at the Vineyard a couple of weeks ago, and, and the reason. It was so ripe for criticism, and the reason that the criticism of it is so apt is because this was around the same period that the left and the mainstream media were participating in this COVID Delta variant hysteria that they were pushing through. Remember that Joe Biden had that weirdo press conference that just confused absolutely everybody about, you know, you, you know like if you're vaccinated, you still have to wear the mask, you can still wear COVID. And now they're it's just a whole bunch of craziness. This is what, you know, obviously this column was in response to, and this column was basically calling out the Democratic Party on their elitism and then saying, hey, you have to think about the optics. You have to think about the optics that are going on here because it is quite clear that uh, after the last four years, and, and I think that to me, looking back at it, Democrats were always elitist. The left was always elite. These, you know, limousine liberals always existed. But I think that a lot of the events that happened over the past four to five years put the elitism and the limousine liberalism in focus to the vast majority of the public in a way that I don't think they ever had before, right? So she was right to criticize them. And she was basically saying, guys, I'm on your team. And like I've said before, all of the polling and everything that's going on right now indicates that Democrats are about to lose very, very big in in 2022's midterms. It, It is just this sort of red tsunami that it seems like everyone can see but them. And she was right to criticize Obama because this is a person who is a de facto leader of the Democratic Party. You know, you can't deny that. You can't want to be a leader sometimes and then sometimes just want to do whatever you want to do. It it just doesn't really work like that. But of course, because Maureen Dowd had criticized their beloved Obama and their beloved elites, the Twitter blue checks went absolutely insane. Um, And here is the nuttiest tweet that I found about this. And and this is is some leftist on Twitter. I don't know about about 35,000 followers. And and this is what this tweet says. I I think that it was uh, really brilliant in, in in its leftism. And it said that the continued attacks on now private citizen Barack Obama are steeped in racism. From the far left, who thinks he should have given them white populism to the trunken, raggedy Karens like Maureen Dowd. Hold up a mirror, folks. White supremacy is the cause of all this mess today. And what is so interesting about this, and in defense of Barack Obama, who is worth something like $200 million or something like that, And the nuttiest thing about all of this stuff is that now black people can't be elites. And you can be a black person that used to be the president of the United States and is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But to be criticized is somehow indicative of white supremacy because inherently via your blackness, you are automatically oppressed. 
and automatically a victim. And and this is the same stuff that we see when there is any criticism of, like, say, Oprah or the uh, the Meghan Markle stuff that that came out. Meghan Markle who didn't decide to be black until she wanted to hop on the victimhood train. It's very interesting. And, and so that, to me, is very interesting. And so the elitism of the Democratic Party is dependent on nobody being able to call them elites. And the elitism of some higher profile blacks in the Democratic Party is hidden by the racism charge that they use to remain perpetual victims, even while throwing a 600 person birthday party in a Martha's Vineyard waterfront property. And I just got back from Martha's Vineyard. I'm not an elitist. I stayed I stayed in Airbnb in Martha's Vineyard. I was I was hosted by a friend. Um, it ain't cheap, but this is very interesting to me. And the fact that so many liberals and so many people on the left just literally came to the defense of what their ideology would say is indefensible. Barack Obama having a 600 person birthday party while they're trying to spread COVID Delta variant hysteria through the media. And the fact that they would attack her to this shows me one main thing. This is a party that is in trouble. This is a party that has no ideological consistency. And this is a party that is going to get demolished in 2022. And I, for one, cannot wait to see it happen. There's this trend of the most wealthy and privileged celebrities in the world having public meltdowns on social media. And I will take down the latest example of that up next. Come on, man. They say I get groupies at my shows. Come on, man. All the rumors are true, yeah. What you heard, that's true, yeah. I yeah. him and you, yeah. If you believe I do that, had to cut them all loose, yeah. And he ain't no loose lips. Now they all trying to sue me. That was Lizzo. Lizzo's new song, Rumors. Okay, so who is Lizzo? <sighs> Problematics. I'm going to, like, if you're listening to me, I'm going to expect you to know who Lizzo was, but Lizzo is. But if you don't know, let me break this down for you. So Lizzo is a, um, she's a, the, one of the new breeds of pop star that is being pushed uh, nowadays. She is obese. She is basically, she's fat black girl. She's, you know, pop star, black girl magic. She raps, she sings, all of that stuff. Um, I like Lizzo. Actually, I listen to a lot of Lizzo's music. Um, I think she's really talented. Um, I think she's a great artist. I think that the songs work. I, I think that um, it's just very interesting. I think that her videos are cool. I, I just, I mean, I, I, I love everything about it. But, but here's the thing, and this is the criticism that I have, and, and this is about Lizzo, this is about the body acceptance, all this stuff. So now she is breaking down um, on Instagram because of what, internet trolls have to say about her. And I want you to listen to to this. This is her breaking down just in, in the tears on, on an Instagram live. Sometimes I feel like the world just don't love me back. It's like it doesn't matter how much positive energy you put into the world, you're still gonna have people who have something, something mean to say about you. And for the 
most part, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't care. I just think when uh, I'm working this hard, my my tolerance gets lower. Okay, so when I heard this, and and when I and, and trust me, guys, this goes on for about 15 minutes. I was not going to subject you to listening to this for 15 minutes. So when I saw this, and this isn't the first Lizzo meltdown we've seen. She she melts down like this every couple months, and I don't know. I mean, it seems pretty real. I mean, she seems very emotionally distraught. It's actually sad when you watch it. So this is the thing, and this is what I think about when when I listen to this and and when I see this clip. I think personally that the whole Body positivity, fat acceptance. I'm, you know, I look at all of my roles. You know, I'm just going to twerk my my big body and you're going to shove it because I love myself. Body positivity, fat acceptance. Uh, yes, mama slay. But it's BS. It is BS. And I'm going to tell you why. Because somebody that was really okay, if you were really okay with who you are and you were really, if you were really okay with being that heavy, Lizzo, other people like that. You would not care at all what anybody says about you on social media. Like if you were truly cool with how you look, if you were truly cool with all of this stuff, like you wouldn't care. It just would not affect you in this way. And so that's why I think that the body positivity, fat acceptance, all of that stuff, I I think it's BS. I I think that body positivity and fat acceptance are BS. It's leftist nonsense that is being pushed. And personally, for me, as a black American, you know, obesity is a really big problem in the black community. We are more likely to be obese and everybody knows it. And when I watched that new video, when I watched the video for rumors, it's the video is fine. But, you know, she has, you know, it's a whole bunch of other, you know, obese women dancing and and they're, you know, twerking and jiggling and, and doing all of that stuff. And it's supposed to be empowering. I do not find this empowering at all. And look, I don't believe that she does either, because here is the thing. And I will tell you this as somebody who used to be a good 40 pounds heavier than I am right now. Being fat is not fun. It is physically uncomfortable. You can't move. You are out of breath. Um, People treat you differently. Um, You can't fit into clothes. You can't move. It's just not fun. And I know, like I said, because I've been fat, I've been heavy. And I think that she's running a scam because if she was truly okay with being this size, then she wouldn't be having these breakdowns on social media. And what I I really wish is for people to be able to tell the truth about this stuff. At what point were we not allowed to say that being fat is unhealthy? At what point were we not allowed to say that body positivity is BS and fat acceptance and fat phobia? Give me a break. This is ridiculous. And this is somebody with millions of dollars. This is somebody with Grammys and, and you know, social media celebrity and fame and, and money. And, you know, designers want to dress her and she's on red carpets and she's as glamazon and she's all of that stuff. So if somebody with all of this is having these breakdowns on social media, what do you think that the, that the average fat person's life is like? that does not have Grammys and millions of dollars and red carpets and live in some mansion somewhere. I'm guessing that that person's life is not great is why I think that it's such a lie. And this breakdown proves that it's a lie. And here's the thing. Why are the wealthiest, most privileged people in the world such victims nowadays? Somebody like Lizzo, 
who, like I said, I think is super, super talented pop star. And I also continue to listen to her music because I like it. Somebody that is her occupying the space that she occupies in the world. There is no way that you get from wherever it is that she came from to where she is right now without having an iron will and like this ironclad belief in yourself. You don't get from point A to point B without that. So I question the motivations behind the just the perpetual victimhood that we see from the wealthiest and most privileged people in the society. You're dealing with this stuff from like Naomi Osaka. You know, she's breaking down in tears at a press conference. Lizzo's breaking down um, in tears on an Instagram live. Cardi B is always arguing with followers. Like, what the hell is wrong with these people? There is something going on here that we're not addressing as a society. And I don't know if it's too much. I, I think that a part of it is too much social media. A part of it is all of us just being on social media way too much. I think that's an issue of it. But there is this epidemic that's going on where the most fabulously wealthy people in society are breaking down on Instagram on Instagram lives that have like 300,000 live concurrent viewers. There's something that's going on here. I do not know what it is. But the question that I have is what does that say to the truly victimized in the society? And I mean people that are that are truly victims, people that are really going through stuff and people that find a way out of it through sheer force of determination or grit or will or whatever you want to call it. What does it say to the people that are truly victimized? We have a multimillionaire Hollywood celebrity like bursting into tears on Instagram Live. I think that honestly, it, it speaks to a, a breakdown that we have in sort of the character of our society because we are creating a generation of victims and there seems to be no amount of money, no amount of success, no amount of fame, no amount of anything that is going to kill the victimhood cancer that is spreading through American culture right now. It's really quite dangerous. And I know it seems harsh and I know it come off as harsh, but that is just the reality of this situation. So when I look at this video from Lizzo and I see one of the most famous people in the world that has virtually everything. And by the way, when you talk about body positivity and fat phobia and all of that other stuff, this is somebody that has access to the best trainers, the best nutritionists. If she wanted to lose the weight, she could. But a victimhood mindset tells her that whatever is going on with her internally that has led her to be this size is not her fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's the Internet troll's fault or it's the society that needs to change because they are not accepting enough of obese people. This has something very negative to say about the character of American society. And if we do not address the victimhood cancer that is spreading through American society right now, I promise you it will eat us alive and there will be absolutely nothing left. I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And to hear more of my episodes and get my weekly newsletter, go to gingrich360.com slash Rob. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.